Hey everybody, this is Liliana Milleva and I'm excited to bring you Menopause Made Easy, a podcast designed to provide you tips and strategy to navigate the changes in woman's body, mind and spirit with more grace and ease. I appreciate you tuning in. Remember to like, subscribe and turn on your notifications so you are updated of each episode release. All right, let's dive in. Hello and welcome. Today I have a really special guest with me. Jennifer Redmond is a power woman to take a 360 degree view of their wellness and helps them implement customized dietary and lifestyle changes to boost fertility, manage perimenopause and feel deeply supported in the process. A fertility and hormonal health expert. She is certified integrative nutritional coach and graduate of Women's Functional and Integrative Medicine Professional Training Program. As the co-founder and editor-in-chief in Fertility Authority, now Progini, and the director of communication for Resolve, the National Infertility Association, she has literally written and edited thousands of articles. Welcome, Jennifer. Let me know how you start working on this field. What brings you this field to help women in fertility? Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you today. And thank you for that nice introduction. So I've actually been working in the fertility space for about 17 years. I started as a writer and editor. As you mentioned, I've literally written and edited thousands of articles on fertility and infertility. And when I was at Fertility Authority as the editor-in-chief, through all the writing and research I did there, I came to realize that, in my opinion, there is such a focus on infertility as a disease and not enough information on wellness around fertility and infertility. And so I went back, I studied integrative nutrition, I studied women's functional and integrative medicine. And I decided to start coaching to really help empower women to sort of take control of their fertility and become their own best advocate as it comes to fertility. So I've been doing this for a number of years and I work with women who are trying to conceive. And I've also expanded my business and now working with women who are in perimenopause, which is another big transition in a woman's life. Yes, nice. What makes perimenopause after infertility unique? Yeah, so I think that, you know, obviously for all women, right, perimenopause is a time of emotional and physical changes, right? And for many women who have experienced infertility, perimenopause and menopause is just this really stark reminder that their fertile window is closing, And so regardless of how a woman has resolved their infertility, whether they've had a child, a biological child, or they've adopted, or, you know, a, a number of different ways to resolve your infertility, I think perimenopause can really bring up thoughts and feelings, even thoughts and feelings that were resolved of their fertility journey. So for example, when you're in perimenopause and your periods start getting irregular or your period stops coming, it can really be a reminder of those months when they were trying to conceive and a late period was a hopeful sign that they were pregnant. And so I've talked to a lot of women who just find particularly the irregular periods again 
really kind of anxiety producing. And for some of them, they start, you know, taking pregnancy tests again, peeing on a stick again, which you've done like a million times when you were trying to conceive. And so it can really bring them back to a difficult time in their life. And I think for women who have never conceived a child or never delivered a child, it can just feel so final, right? Like, now my chances of having a baby are really behind me forever. It can really feel like time has run out. And I think like infertility, perimenopause can really feel and really be so unpredictable. So I think it's that unpredictability too that can just be so difficult to navigate. Mm, yes, I understand that. The emotional aspect, it's really... A big thing in this time, of course. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, the thinking that, okay, it's almost over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for women, you know, like I said, for women who have had a struggle to get pregnant or maybe have never been pregnant, it just really feels like, wow, that door is shutting. Even though you know it's coming, you know, you sort of can't predict how it's going to feel emotionally. How you think a woman manage the emotional aspect of perimenopause after infertility? Yeah. So, you know, symptoms will vary. The emotional symptoms, just like the physical symptoms will vary. You know, I think I want to say, you know, it's certainly natural to feel like you want to mourn the loss of your fertility. And, you know, for some women, the emotional symptoms of perimenopause are things like depression, anxiety, mood swings. So I think that mind-body support can be really important here. So things like meditation, there are even guided meditations that are geared specifically towards menopausal women or perimenopausal women. Yoga can be really supportive at this time. I love deep breathing exercises, particularly when anxiety strikes. Some really simple breathing exercises that can just really help ground you. Things like spending time in nature, also really grounding. If spirituality plays a role in your life, leaning into that, whatever that looks like for you. Movement, you know, we talk about exercise and movement a lot during a woman's life, but even just getting out and walking, just getting movement can really help with some of those emotional symptoms. And, you know, last but not least, therapy, whether it's working with a therapist that specializes in infertility or helping women with those transition in their lives or even group therapy can be really, really supportive. I think an important thing to remember too is that any of those mind-body therapies can help reduce stress. And when you reduce stress, you can also help with hot flashes and night sweats. And then I think, you know, obviously you, you know, some of the symptoms that women get for a lot of women, perimenopause brings insomnia, right? So really getting a handle on your sleep, which I know is something that you really focus on. Yeah, relaxation also and how to sleep with relaxation technique, as you mentioned, it's very important to take time to relax in this time of this period. When you're talking premium pause, it can start even in late 30s, right? Yeah, it can. And for some women, you know, they're not even sure that it's happening, right? It happens in subtle ways where your period starts to change a little bit and 
you know, we might not be that tuned into it, but yeah, it can start early for many women. And for some women, you know, sort of depending on a fertility diagnosis, it can start earlier before we're really even aware. Uh, this is a, between 30 and 40. So some of the women try still to get pregnant, as I know. So it's really yeah, manageable, actually, right? Yeah. So, yeah, certainly women are trying to get pregnant at that age period and are having success. Many women are having success. But I think the sort of general thought is that if you're in that age group and you've been trying to get pregnant for six months or more, it might be helpful to have a fertility workup just to determine what your ovarian reserve is, you know, start thinking about egg quantity and egg quality just to get out in front of it. And then there are certainly things that you can do, you know, in taking sort of this whole body approach to fertility. I'm thinking about things like nutrition, lifestyle choices, stress reduction, sort of all those things. So certainly things, it can be helpful to understand what's happening in your body from a medical perspective, but then also taking this holistic approach to your fertility. And talking about nutrition, how nutrition help physical symptoms of perimenopause? Yeah, so hot flashes for many women, night sweats are certainly a problem. So when we think about that, we want to think about eating a diet that really consists of whole foods rather than processed foods. We want to think about limiting sugar and alcohol and caffeine. For hot flashes and night sweats specifically, you want to avoid spicy foods. You want to avoid hot beverages. And you want to eat high fiber foods and foods that have phytoestrogens. So phytoestrogens kind of mimic estrogen in your body. So those foods are like whole grains, flax seeds, lots of fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, all really supportive when you're in perimenopause. And then if you're having issues with sleep from a nutrition standpoint, Certainly, caffeine and alcohol are sleep disruptors. You don't want to eat too close to bedtime. And really think about how much sugar that you're eating, because sugar can really cause energy spikes and energy crashes, right? So I think taking all those things into account, super helpful for some of the physical symptoms of perimenopause. Yeah, natural sugar maybe is not so bad. The processed sugar is maybe more... And then the, all these things that um, bakery cakes and that can be really mindful how you use them, uh, how, how much consume of them. Because there's a lot of sugar in many things that you don't thought, even uh, like, say, uh, different sauce, which is uh, pre-cooked already. Some dressings to this for the salad, some fruit even and veggies depend. Uh, they have sugar inside, right? Yeah, I agree with you. I think the processed sugar is really a problem. And- Read the labels, right? There's sugar usually almost at the top of every label. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy how much sugar is in everything. Yeah, so there's maybe in a, some diet products that it's a zero sugar eventually. You can, they can check just to reduce it a bit. But yeah, that's really need to be mindful how much sugar you consume during the day. I, I think to check sugar level also, it's important in your butt. So how would nutrition help with the emotional symptoms like depression, anxiety, mood swings? Yeah. So 
it might be surprising for people to know that inflammation, so dietary inflammation, can trigger anxiety and depression. So there's no one way of eating that's right for everybody, right? Our bodies are are all unique. But I would say in general, the Mediterranean style of eating is a great model. And that looks at, you know, lots of vegetables, fruits, beans, whole grains, olive oil, less dairy, less eggs and poultry, Mm -hmm. um, and even less red meat. So that's a really nice model to follow. One way to sort of start connecting the dots on how food makes you feel both physically and emotionally is to start keeping a food journal. I love a journal that tracks food, mood, and poop. So you write down what you eat, you write down how it makes you feel, both physically and emotionally. Are you feeling loaded? Are you feeling full? Are you feeling satisfied? Are you feeling cranky? Are you feeling congested? And then are you eliminating every day? That's really important too. So I think that's a great way to just start connecting the dots to learn how food really makes you feel. And then when I work with women, a lot of times they'll start eliminating some groups of food from their diet. So perhaps you're starting to see that maybe you're realizing that when you eat dairy, you're feeling congested. So maybe remove dairy from your diet for a few days, three, four, or five days. Again, pay attention to how you're feeling. And then when you add it back in, you know, notice, am I experiencing any symptoms? Often inflammation from dairy will show up as congestion. You can do the same thing with gluten, remove it for a few days, see how you're feeling, and then add it back in. I think the biggest ones are really gluten, dairy, sugar is another one that you can experiment with. And then naturally, if you're using the food journal and you're noticing something like, oh, I've eaten eggs and for example, and that's making me not feel that well. So you can really experiment and just pull foods out of your diet, groups of foods, and then just see how your body responds when you add it back in. I am many years ago did an elimination diet. For years, I had been struggling with congestion. I'd gone to ear, nose, and throat doctors. I'd gone to allergy doctors. Nobody could figure it out. And I did an elimination diet. And one of the things that I cut out was gluten. And the second I added it back in, my ears were clogged. I was clearing my throat and it it had just never been discovered that I had a gluten sensitivity. And by just simply kind of experimenting on myself, I figured it out. So it's really kind of a low-tech, easy way to start connecting some of those dots. What do you think about the soy products? About the estrogen, uh, is that related? It's that they need to increase the soy product in their diet or no? Right. So, you know, I think that soy has kind of gotten a bad rap. I think that one of the problems with soy is that soy products can be really highly processed. So that's one of the issues with it. And I think another issue with soy can be that the amount of pesticides in soy crops So if you do eat soy, I would definitely say to make it organic Mm -hmm. um, so that we're, you know, not dealing with pesticides. And I would also say that avoiding 
the soy products that are really highly processed. So, you know, maybe a simple tofu, maybe even one that's sort of local to you. I think that there have been conflicting studies from what I understand about the soy, but I think for many women, you know, small amounts of soy in their diets does not seem to be a problem. I'd love to know your take on it. Do you have thoughts about that? Uh, yes, I think fermented soy, they, uh, there's research that proved that help with estrogen level. Fermented, uh, like a miso, uh, like, because they make a research between the Asian diet and Western diet. And they discovered that Asian women going different way uh, through the symptoms of menopause because they consume a lot of soy. And also fermented soy, as, uh, as I say, miso. Yeah, just help with estrogen. So fermented food, actually, it's helping also. Yeah, that's a really good point. Fermented foods, for most of us, are a really important part of your diet. So whether that's kimchi or sauerkraut or fermented pickles, yeah, I think that it can really help with your gut, your gut lining, and just sort of overall health digestion can be super helpful in your diet. Yes. And miso, to your point, is a really good one as well. And for people who are avoiding soy, you can even get things like chickpea miso. is yeah. a really good option too. Yeah. I love personally very much chickpea. <laughs> I want uh, to have in my menu as soon as possible. So what do you think about the good fat and the bad fat? What kind of oil is better to consume? Yeah. Definitely olive oil. That's one of the, the healthiest fats around. So olive oil for cooking, I like to use avocado oil. And I'll also use, depending on what I'm making, I like to use coconut oil too, um, because those are oils that you can cook with at a high heat. But in general, olive oil is a really healthy one. Love it on salads, love it just even as a topping sometimes for vegetables so yeah, really important to get healthy fats in your diet. And another way to get healthy fats in your diet are from some of those wild-caught fish, like salmon, sardines, and mackerel. Those are also good sources of healthy fat. Yeah, omega-3 is important in this, yeah. well, in this period of time, right? So they yeah. need additional omega-3 in some... Oh, I know that flaxseed, they have also a lot of omega-3. Yeah, flaxseeds are a great source. Seeds in general are a really good component of your diet at this time. And again, the Mediterranean diet really supports that as well. So yeah, whether it's black seeds are great, chia seeds are great, uh, sesame seeds are a real power source. So even things like sesame seeds and tahini, which is made of sesame seeds, yeah. all um, really great to have in your diet. What practical tips do you have for women who... Have this infertility problem while in the perimenopause? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think the first thing is just be gentle with yourself, right? It, it is a, really a time of transition, as we talked about earlier. And just be able to sort of give yourself some grace and say, you know, I think that fortunately with podcasts like yours, you know, women are talking about it more and feel freer to talk about it. But, you know, just recognizing that it is a really transitional time and just to be gentle with yourself. I think the mind-body stuff that we talked about earlier, really finding something that resonates with you. If you're into meditation, then meditate. It's a good time to sort of take up journaling to help you process your thoughts. 
you know, think about getting movement, which is going to help with both the physical and the emotional symptoms. If your sleep has become an issue, really think about developing a bedtime routine. You know, what is the temperature of your room? What is the lighting like in your room? How can you unwind before bed to help ease that transition to sleep? And then I would say, find a support system. You know, was there someone that you were able to talk to about your fertility journey? Is that somebody that might be helpful at this time in your life? Can you talk to your partner about it if you have a partner? Can you talk to, you know, a professional about it? Would it be helpful to find somebody to work with, whether it's a mental health professional or a coach or a sleep expert? You know, where can you find support in your life to help make this transition a little smoother and to help you understand that, you know, you're, you don't have to go through this alone. It doesn't have to be a solitary experience. There are just so many great resources out there. So give yourself permission you know, to figure out what's going to work for you and what's going to be supportive for you. How you work with people and how the people can reach out to connect with you? What is the best way? Yeah, I generally work one-on-one with women. I do offer periodically three times a year. I run a reset. It's just a five-day reset and helps women just kind of reset their eating habits. My website is jenredmond.com, J-E-N-N-R-E-D-M-O-N-D.com. And then I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram primarily at jenredmond, I-N-H-C, J-E-N-N-R-E-D-M-O-N-D-I-N-H-C. I'm also there on Facebook and I'm on LinkedIn. And so the best way is to connect with me. Either you can DM me through social media or just connect with me on my website. Yeah, they will have all the links and information in the show notes and they can reach out. I highly encourage you and recommend you to talk about Jennifer, about if you have any fertility problems during the premenopause, talk with the professional like her. And I'm sure that you can uh, find a solution, a better solution in this way to talk more with the professional. So thank you so much, Jennifer, to be in my show today. And thank you for all listeners who listen to this episode. I hope this is very useful and helpful for everyone who going through this period of time and have fertility issue. And keep listening and share the information with your loved one or somebody who think that can help in this way. And uh, thank you again. And I see you in the next episode. I release a new episode every Friday. So I meet you every week uh, again and uh, have a really wonderful day. Thank you for tuning into Menopause Made Easy. You can check out more episodes on Apple, Spotify, eHeart Radio and your favorite podcast apps. Check out the show notes for any website linked to this episode, including where to connect with me on social media. I appreciate you tuning in. Remember to like, subscribe, and turn on your notifications so you'll be updated of each episode release. And visit me at menopausesupportacademy.com for all podcast updates as well. Appreciate you dropping by.